Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sandoval, for joining us this morning on our podcast. Uh, I've been looking over your research, and I think it is so fascinating and really complex. So in a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to try to explain to us laymen what you guys do at your lab at St. Louis University. But uh, I want to sort of preface this by saying that uh, having lived in St. Louis and realizing how it goes block by block, really, in my opinion, like which block of Westminster do you live on? You know what I mean? It's like literally block by block. And yet we know that St. Louis as a city has got these big problems, but does the whole city have the problem or I felt safe in my block kind of thing. But so um, you have the computational spatial demography lab at SLU. And can you just give me a uh, kind of an overview of what that does? Yeah. So our lab, um, it's been around, I think, officially since 2012, about 10 years. And the goal of the lab is to really focus on um, the city and the region and trying to address uh, applied research problems. And so the goal here is, is, to, is to do research that gets translated for public policymakers, for business leaders, community leaders, where they can take our data and try to improve their neighborhood, try to look at different ways to bring people into the region uh, for workforce development. And so th- that's that's the goal of the lab. Uh, we also have projects that are international, where we okay. work in Venezuela, Iran. Um, but the majority of our work, we try to focus US-based and and specifically in the city of St. Louis and the region. So what would be an example of a problem, a public policy problem that um, spatial demographics could help you solve? So I, I think one of the most interesting ones is crime. Yeah. So I, I was just listening to the, um, just some people talk this morning about the proposed merger, right? a different type of merger between the city and county. And one of the, one of the themes that, that people talk about this merger is, well, our crime statistics will change, right? Because we'll have a different denominator. And therefore, we won't be, St. Louis City won't be in the top 10. But the reality is the patterns of crime will not change, regardless of the merger. Sure. The actual patterns will not change. And so all we're changing is, if that if the merger happens, we're changing the global statistics. But... Uh, uh, spatial statistics were interested in the micro patterns. And so we did this analysis with um, um, Louisville, where we, we saw we saw boundaries change, but the actual patterns of crimes themselves have fundamentally not changed. Sure. And so this is where our work comes into play because um, we just made a map available last week to the public to where uh, we would argue that using using neighborhoods is not a very good way to visualize crime. Using what would be better? We actually use uh, very small uh, grids, 50-meter grids, 25-meter grids, 100-meter uh, grids. It, it depends on what type of crime we're looking at. But there you, you get to see uh, micro patterns of crimes uh, emerge in, in the city of St. Louis. And so, for example, I think there's one grid that has 19 crimes, like a really small grid. Well, that's that probably tells you it's, it's really a couple parcels or a couple houses that's oh, wow. problematic, right? It's not the entire neighborhood. And so what happens when you see um, 
these maps is that you may feel defeated because you're like, how can we address, how can we marshal those resources to address these challenges when it's, it's, when it's, it's, you know, several big neighborhoods, right? But the, the issue is probably, it's, it's probably four to six blocks that really need the most attention. And so that's where our work comes in, in, in the computational part. Is it's not about making maps. It's about sure. analyzing the micro patterns, because the reality is um, there are more differences within a census tract or within a neighborhood than there are across tracks in neighborhoods. And it's it's uh, we have to move. Uh, the challenge that we find it's kind of an interesting one. Is uh, so we believe in democratizing data, giving giving the data to the people. It belongs to the people. But what's happened over the past, so as these resources have become more available, um, we see governments, it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democratic, this government in general are starting to protect their data and make it more difficult for the average citizens to get. Um, Why? Because I think they, they're trying to control the narrative of, of what's happening. Okay. So again, it's we see, I can point to examples of, of Republican Leadership's doing this and democratic leadership. It's happening. Um, it's happening on both sides of whoever controls uh, the administration. Well, I can understand that if you had very granular data that said this particular block or these particular parcels are the problem, then that would make people that would depress property values and make people not want to move to that block and then kind of exacerbates the problem. On the other hand, should you keep it from them so that people unwittingly buy a house in that block, not knowing that it's dramatically worse than the blocks wider, right around it? Um, you know, I would want to know. Yeah. Now, are you seeing changes in the city of St. Louis or in the region over time that are surprising or interesting to you? I mean, St. Louis, I feel like, yeah, we're at the t we're top 10 for crime. We're bottom 10 for quality of life. I mean, we have so many things that everyone knows St. Louis has got a problem. Uh, we have a really hard red line on Del Mar. Uh, we have race problems. But are you seeing any changes over time that are unexpected? So I'm not from St. Louis originally. So I, I think I come to the region with a different perspective. Um, St. Louis is a major metropolitan region. It, it will always be a major metropolitan region. However, it is not... Uh, a region where people are moving to. Uh, right. of, of the top of the top 25 metropolitan regions, it's an outlier. Dem it's a demographic outlier. Um, and I, I know that some people uh, get upset when I say this, but mm -hmm. the what what the message we talk about today should have been talked about in 1990. Sure. If, if people were honest about the region, about some of the challenges in the region, they were present in 1990. Um, I'll just give one example. So that 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 analysis we presented yesterday showed um, that the region has a very small immigrant population relative to a size of 2.8 million. It's 135,000 immigrants. Okay. Uh, it's it's nowhere near its competitors of a top 20 metropolitan region. And um, so this this actually impacts entrepreneurship. Because when you look at these other regions that have fairly large immigrant populations, they tend to have a lot more entrepreneurship happening coming from the immigrant populations. So this why why do you think 
our immigrant population is so low? It's always been low. Oh. Uh, and so part of it was that St. Louis, um, for many reasons, historically, was just not used as a city to go to as, as, a, as a region for immigrants, uh, but specifically Mexican foreign born. And so we are down to um, about 13,000 Mexican foreign born immigrants in the region. Wow. It, it's actually declining. The number wow. of Mexican foreign borns in the region, is, it's actually on a decline. Um, crazy. We should have about 75,000, 80,000 Mexican foreign born immigrants based on our size of 2.8 million residents. And now, so that 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 should be um, that should be it should be an alarm bell because they're going these immigrants are going to places like Nashville, Oklahoma City, Omaha, Nebraska, and they're a vibrant part of the economy. They're leaving the region. So that's an example here. Immigrants in general are leaving the region. There's a decline hmm. in the immigrant population since uh, 2019. Uh, because of opportunity or. I think part Fine. of it is um, there may be a message that they're receiving that they're not welcome in the state. Yeah. Um, that that could be there could be a part of that, um, but you can't blame it that because it's a red state because they're moving to Tennessee, they're moving sure. to Oklahoma, they're moving to Nebraska, um, and so they're they're actually leaving St. Louis and Kansas City. Oh wow! So um, so that would be a, for example that's a challenge. The region is losing both black and white residents. Really? It's, it's one of 10 regions in the US that has that trend. And so that's that you don't want to be part of a group where you're losing white and black residents in general. Right. Um, and so that's problematic for the region. And what about the fact that the county is broken it? I'm now I'm kind of going back to education here, but so many small school districts or that that we've allowed the region to get chopped up into small municipalities. And and I think it has something to do with redlining. I could be wrong, but, you know, I feel like that works against the city and the region. I, I believe this is one challenge for the region. Absolutely. Um, so I think people are also shocked when I, when I share this statistic. Um, so the majority of racial segregation for the metropolitan region is actually in the suburbs. Really? It's not in the city of St. Louis. Whereas when you look at other traditional cities like Chicago, Milwaukee, it's in the city. Yep. Suburbs have always meant integration, typically means integration. But in St. Louis, if that has not been the case. It's getting better. Over the past 20 years, uh, the suburbs have really started to integrate, but not at the level that we see in Houston, Texas. So do you mean to say that there's like white suburbs and black suburbs? Yeah, absolutely. And... Okay. Yeah. Not, and, and the magnitude of segregation uh, is actually, so we talked about the Dalmar divide. Yeah, that's there. Um, but there's part of the city that's uh, that's actually integrated. That's, that's integrated. Um, far more integrated than some of the suburbs are. What part of the city is that? Do you know? The Central Corridor and then the sure. corridor off of South Grand. Um, oh, yeah. Tremendous, sure. tremendous integration happening there. So what have you found at your lab regarding um, crime in St. Louis or uh, like the distribution of crime and 
have you generated any potential implications for policies that would address the distribution of crime? Um, Seems to be our biggest problem. People don't want to move to St. Louis because of the crime, right? And I noticed not even stopping at stop signs or stoplight. I mean, crime seems to be uh, not really in pockets. To me, it looks like it's near metro stations and things like that, but that's just me speculating. But is there things that we could be doing differently to address the crime problem? Gosh, that's a that's such a big question. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Probably sorry. Yes, so that huge thing. Yes, there, there probably is. Um, there are things that can be done differently. We actually map it. We have a map out there where we map every crime from 2005 through 2019. And what was interesting about that map was almost every part of the city experienced crime. There was no city, <clears throat> yeah, no block that did not experience crime over this 15 year period. I believe that. And so it was every, it was, uh, it was, it was, a, I mean, people were shocked when they saw it because it was almost every parcel, every block had experienced a, a crime, crime. And so the, the issue is um, the resources, adopting new technology. Um, so I, I was quite, Coming from Chicago, um, you know, Chicago had adopted crime technology with the cameras, uh, and this was probably it was definitely in my neighborhoods in two thousand two in Chicago. Wow, twenty years. Um, and not to see those around the city of St. Louis when I moved in two thousand eight was was kind of a shock. When we got here, one thing that surprised us is that in the city was we would very seldom see any cops at all. And in Chicago, that was the, it was pretty common. And um, so I live in Chesterfield. Okay. And again, it's, a, it's a unique, it's unique in its its resources. But I see a Chesterfield cop at least twice a day. Wow. At least you know, twice. Most I see them parked. <laughs> and see the so it's, parked um, I know that they're, they're protecting my neighborhood because I see them driving through the subdivisions. I have when I lived in I lived in the city one time. I've never seen that happen. Wow. I think because they don't have the resources. Um, right. I've we've worked with we've worked on several projects uh, in the city over times, and we've had difficulty getting crime data with aldermen. They, yeah. they would not even give it to the aldermen on types of data that we wanted. We, we really had to push hard. I think this is the alderman. That's like the head in the sand approach, you know, like. And I think there was, at that time, there was spirit like, were you going to try to embarrass us with, with your analysis? Ah. And, and so I, I think that there's, there has to be a, a discussion about the, that crime, crime is happening in every city. Yep. And some cities are very open and saying, like, take our data, do your analysis and help us become better departments, help us become better servants to the people. Uh, I think what I've seen so far is that, that that's not the approach in the city of St. Louis. Such a parallel. Uh, because the Such data, a parallel with education in St. Louis. It's very bad. That is not being made available to the public. Uh, what's being made available to the public are reports. 
but to do the type of analysis of the microanalysis we can't do right now. Um, but I can I know we're doing it for other cities and other cities know that we're we're doing it. They're like, there's a professor there in St. Louis University, give him his data. Let him let him have anything he wants. Yeah. Because he his 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 goal is to make our city better. Right. And yeah, there's some there's gonna be some embarrassment, right? They, I I pointed out some really bad things. But then you can fix them. But they absorbed them. They're like, yeah, that's how you me. fix things. I, I said they they thank me for they were very thankful for yeah. what I pointed out. Um and it wasn't yeah, initially it was an embarrassment because it was like that should not happen. And then St. Louis is not thanking you. Well, I mean, we, <laughs> I mean, just in, not me general, but the, the data should be out there. Sure, of course. Yeah. Not, um, and, that's just one example there. And do you have uh, more and more students interested in doing this work? Because, you know, Raj Chetty at Harvard, like uh, other people have been doing this work where you realize that it really is, uh, location is such an important factor in the, some of these things in ways we haven't thought of before. I saw an article in the Atlantic last May, I think it was, about the very important parenting decision of where you live. And I think people are beginning to understand the relationship between where people live and outcomes. And I, uh, I'm i curious, is, do you feel like it's a growing field and more students want to investigate? I think so. And I, I in my classes, we do some very preliminary um introduction analysis, spatial analysis, and yeah. students are always surprised when we overlay maps over their neighborhood because it, we have the perception of real data. We have the real data and their perception of their neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's always a shock for them to find out like their neighborhood is, in many cases, they, they realize they come from very privileged neighborhoods relative to other neighborhoods, and so it's 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 uh, it's important for us to kind of see how important uh, opportunity is, access yep. to opportunity. Yeah. And just going back on on the schooling point, um, so when the when um, the school districts lost their accreditation about a decade ago, yeah, one of the interesting things happened because I can't, I got I was getting these phone calls, wanting to know why the black families were moving to Normandy from the city. And I'm like, well, and then they, they would call me back and like, um, we, you know why they're moving? Because the children can now go to school in St. Charles. Yeah. And they were leaving pretty good or okay schools in the city. But once that happened, once the once those school districts lost their accreditation and the children were allowed to go to school in St. Charles, a lot of black families left the city and said, I want my child to go to school in St. Charles. Yeah, and then, you know, that program has been largely ended because yeah. most of the districts have gotten accreditation back. And I think the fact that there's students could um, choose to go outside the district could have been a motivating factor in giving them back their accreditation because then it keeps the kids there. And but it, um, for me as a demographer, it, it showed me the sensitivity of education and migration. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of families... When that opportunity opened up in a neighborhood that was not their neighborhood, they made the decision to move. Yeah. So their children could have access to good schools. Yeah. Um, I'm of the point of view that they ought to be able to just pick them without moving. But um, 
you know, it, it there is such a strong connection between property values and, and education quality, which is unfortunate. If you can't afford a house in a neighborhood near a good school, you are stuck. Um, now you're not, you know, there's charter schools in St. Louis, but you're pretty well stuck without that uh, volunteer transfer program. And uh, we're just trapping kids in schools that we know, regardless of the fact that the state won't call them out, that, that we know are failing kids. So I think it's a shame, but I'm all about putting data out there, looking at the numbers and trying to learn what they're trying to teach us, you know, what what's available to learn from these numbers. So I think what you're doing is pretty cool stuff. I love spatial econometrics and spatial demographics. I think it's really interesting. Um, all right. So what's next at the Computational Spatial Demography, Demography Lab? Well, we are looking at the, the new data just got released last Thursday. ACS. The ACS. And so this is the best data set, the five-year data set we have uh, since COVID. So just, so, I should back up, American Community Survey yeah. put out by the Census Bureau, yeah. and it's very, like, block level, or? Well, it'll, it'll, it'll get down to the block group level. Okay. Um, so the 2020 data was not released because of COVID. 21 data, uh, so the 2020 data was not released. Uh, so this is the 2021 data. Uh, and so it allows us to really get a sense of what's happening um, at the block level. So it's it's really good. Um, it's the best anything? data that we have. Yeah. Um, the the one-year estimates were released in September. So I, I think we use all of these different data sources to kind of fill in the story of what's happening in cities and counties. Um, the COVID data, the COVID data. Um, so I think what we're interested in, um, like one of the questions I get asked a lot is about workforce development. Yeah. And are we, of course, this goes back to education. Um, are we preparing a, our workforce for the next 20, 30 years? And, and the question then becomes, it's a demographic question <clears throat> for me. Uh, are we going to have enough workers to begin with to actually, uh, how competitive are we going to be going forward? And we have a couple states that we can look to that are, I call the I call them the, the canary and the demographic coal mine. Sure. One of them is West Virginia. And? Where there are fewer children today than there were 20 years ago. Yeah. And so this is a, this, so if you, if you're there today and you can, you can start to see it, uh, like one of the Jesuit universities closed there because um, the demand's not there. And you start to see it like a, as a young person, you, you look around, you're like, I don't, the young people aren't here. I'm going to leave. Am I leave or am I going to stay? <laughs> um, Missouri is one of these states. Like it's, it's a very nuanced number, but we now are at a point that we have fewer children today than we did 20 years ago. And it's, it's a small difference of a couple, like 10,000. Um, I say this all the time, our K-12 enrollment's declining, and it's projected to decline through at least 2030 that I'm aware of. I haven't even looked at the latest projections, but it's declining probably our immigrant out-migration is not helping with that, right? Like our yeah, K-12 uh, population's declining. Yeah. And so this this becomes, a it's, it's a, again, we, I'm glad we're talking about it now because in 20 years from now, I was like, why, why didn't anybody talk about it? Like we yep. talk about it in 2020. Um, so the, the goal is, um, yeah, we have to think about workforce development, but 
but we have to get as a region and as a state, we have to get younger. And are we getting older, younger. Missouri as a state and yeah, the region? The region, yeah, we're getting we're older. To the top. So if I was to give you our profile without putting St. Louis on it, most people would think it's a city in Florida. Really? Yeah. Most people. So you think then about Medicaid and housing and all of these costs that come with that, and they're not uh, probably they're retired, not paying employment taxes. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that that follow those trends. Yeah, and so we, so these are these are challenges for the region and and the, and the state. Generally yeah. speaking, is um, and what what COVID did um, in many respects, it accelerated. The trends that that we were projecting in twenty thirty ish that yeah. are happening today, yeah, almost a fifteen, a fifteen to twenty year acceleration of demographic trends. Really, because uh, we have now more people dying and are born in the state and in the region, and that was not supposed to happen. It should not have happened. It should not be happening. But it's but happening. it happened. It's happening. Yes. Wow. Um, and I don't think that there's any that I don't think that there's, at least for the state of Missouri, this this could be a, a trend that, that you cannot reverse because we just have such an old population that's in their 70s that they were going to transition anyway. And so we already knew that, that to op- regardless of if pretend COVID didn't exist, we knew that you had to increase your fertility rates to offset the generation of, Missourians who were going to die. We knew that that was going to happen. Wow. Uh, but you have COVID now, it increasing mortality and fertility decline. And so, and um, um, these are these are difficult things to talk about because people are shocked when I when I go to a presentation. I'm saying you realize more people are, every day. Uh, more people die than are born in the region. And it's it's on a number of, we'll get our new numbers in, in the spring, but it's something like nine to one. Nine, there are nine deaths to one births in the region. Now. What? It's, it's something like that, yeah. That is shocking. Uh, that is shocking. And that, that was not the case. We, uh, if I was to go 10 years earlier, we actually had more births than deaths. Wow. Uh, and so just a 10-year period, we flipped as a region, um, and that's the St. Louis region. The St. Louis region. Wow. And I'm not. Sh- I'm not positive that you can switch it back. And demography takes a generation. Oh, okay. It takes a generation to, to takes you know 30, 40 years to, to switch some of these back. Um. And are we, there states that are not in that situation? Oh, absolutely. Like um, Texas. Well, um, Texas is one. But Texas is kind of unique because the largest population in Texas today is now Latinos. It just surpassed the white population uh, this year. Wow. And so- So more than, okay, yeah, I gotcha. Not more than 50%, but a higher percentage than the white population. I gotcha. Right now in Texas, based on the numbers that were released two weeks ago, every hour, there are six Latino babies born to one white baby. Oh, wow. And every hour, there are nine white deaths to one Latino death in Texas. <laughs> <Okay>. So, wow. <laughs> uh, um, 
K-12 so enrollment in the country is now 49% white, 48, 49% white, right? What's that? I think K-12 enrollment in the country nationally is now about 48 or 49% white. It might be, yeah. So when we look at the, it's interesting when we do this analysis of just looking at, so I'm, as a demographer, I my job is to project what the United States will look like in 2075. Okay. And so I'm not really interested in my age group or your age group. Sure. I'm like, I'm, I have a, I have a six-year-old, seven-year-old. I'm like, I'm interested in his age group because in 50 years, he will be 57. And that'll be the makeup of, that'll be the makeup of the United States, of those who are five and under. What do you think it'll look like? It's going to be very diverse. So if you look at that five-year-old, five and under, or even 10 and under, uh, they are, it's a, that cohort of Americans is so fundamentally different than the cohort that's 60 and over. I mean, race it's, or? It's race. Um, part of it is it's people, how people self-identify as race. Um, languages, they're, they're, yeah, I, I just think it's very different of what wow. the United States will look like in 2075 compared to what it looks like in 2020. Um Wow. Like, is, is Missouri going to look like that? Or is St. Louis going to look like that? Or are we going to, are we going to miss that? Are we going to miss that big? Because when we look at the cities like Phoenix, a hundred and about, again, don't quote me on these numbers, but it's about 190 people move to Phoenix every day. Wow. Right. Uh, right? So, uh, so my analogy is like St. Louis is like the minivans of, of cities. It's reliable. People want it, but the young people want the Tesla. They want yeah. the Phoenix. They want Atlanta. They want Orlando. Yeah. They want Houston. Those are the Teslas that the young people want. Uh, there is a market for or the, a Dodge Caravan. There is a market for the minivan, and St. <laughs> Louis. We're the minivan city. We're we're reliable, and there will always be a market here. But young okay. people, young people are not going to say, "I want to go start my business in the city." They they want I want to go I want to go to Phoenix, uh, even Nashville, if you, or or Charlotte. I think for me yeah. as a professor, I'm in a unique perspective because I I get to interact with students from yeah. around the U.S. And I have a student from Charlotte, and the only reason she came to SLU because her parents knew about the art. Okay. And so she and so we had a pretty good conversation because she was um, saying so, you know nobody in my class knows about St. Louis. And this is she's talking about Charlotte. Yeah. That's St. Louis has fallen out of the conversation. That's right. As a city of young people to move to. Yes. She only came because her parents had told her about St. Louis and about SLU and the medical program. And then is there do you think there's anything we can do to change it? I think I think there is. I I I so I I remember the conversation that we had and we moved from Chicago to St. Louis. I would say 99% of the people tried to convince us not to move here. Sure. I mean, I, I, there was this tremendous resistance from our friends, family, like, you don't want to go there. They don't like immigrants. Um, yeah. But we came anyway. Here you and are. I, I actually think it's a beautiful city. I think it's a great sure. place to raise a family. It's, when I bring students from Los Angeles here, they fall in love with it huh. because the perception of crime is is a it's the crime here in St. Louis 
is not any different than the crime you find in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, but what you find here is a very beautiful city. Uh, yeah. When I bring immigrants from Mexico City or China, from Beijing, when they come to the city, they're like, they see beauty there. Because yeah. They're, they look at downtown, they look at midtown, and they're like, this Perfect. is a beautiful city. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it has a lot that we can sell uh, to a younger population. I just think we have fallen out of our this, and then I think I hate to say this, but because we don't, we don't have an NFL team anymore. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm not a football fan, but it does, it does matter having an NFL team. Yeah, really matters for young people. Yeah, we love MLS. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I think about it all the time, and we talk about it a lot at the Show Me Institute, how we can make Missouri an attractive state for families yeah. and for young people coming out of college, because we have a bachelor's degree out-migration, which means even if people come here for college, they leave when it's over, and we're we're losing our um, more educated people, unfortunately, and it's a real conundrum, and I think you have put your finger on, in my opinion, the biggest piece of the problem is... Uh, uh, a refusal to just acknowledge the facts on the ground or an unwillingness to unwillingness to just look at it and just say our schools across the state, our rural schools, they're not that great as much as we love them. And we have these strong, you know, emotional attachments to them. They're not that great. Uh, our cities have a lot, have a long way to go. And your point about our, the more people are dying than being born, you know, population is dropping these are facts that we should be hanging on instead of trying to just put on blinders and ignore them and hope they go away because they're not going to go away they're leading indicators and every business will do the exact same analysis that i'm doing mm -hmm. about the dependency yeah. of the dependency ratio of your your population and yeah um the opportunities that the young people have. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think you be, we have to somehow change the, the narrative. And yeah, I'm going to put a different hat on here, not an okay. academic hat, but more, about, more of a booster hat. Like we have to be more intent. So as a booster, like you want to talk about the greatness of the city and the state, I think we do actually a pretty poor job, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I've seen so many negative. I mean, there are a lot, when you really start to analyze this academically, there are a lot of negative stories about the city of St. Louis and our yep. national media. I, I mean, it's, when you compare it to other cities, St. Louis is overrepresented in the negative narratives mm -hmm. that are on CNN, NBC, yep. Fox. It, it is, I'm quite shocked, to be honest with you, that the coverage, because you would be hard-pressed to find negative uh, negative coverage of Charlotte, yeah, of Nashville, Denver, Denver maybe, but not, but St. Louis is in the national news. Uh, this the whole story with the the school and the contamination. Yep, um, that's those are the type of stories that go national, and they have they have an impact that I don't think we truly understand. Yeah, because people don't know the region like oh. If it's that school, it has to be all school districts that have right. got poisoning, right? Right. Uh, I, for me, when I went back to Denver this summer to my visit my family, 
they they were impressed that I was alive. I'm I'm, I'm trying to be honest with you because they were like they sure. were trying they were touching me like you you you're surviving in St. Louis. I cannot believe <laughs> yeah. that you're able to live there because their yeah. perception that every day is a day that I'm going to die. Yeah, that so is got to turn that ship around. <laughs> and so I had to tell them like that's not what St. Louis is like. It's it's yeah. every day is not. I enjoy going into the city. Sure. You know, I'm an urbanist, so I I have no problem taking my children into the city. I'm just, you have to be smart about it, right? You have to understand that when we do yeah. these crime, like there, there are blocks yeah. that are unsafe. Um, you know as well as anyone. You're like, this is yeah. a bad block. <laughs> um, so I, I just think changing yeah. that, being intentional. I saw the report about six weeks ago that St. Louis was the most unsafe city in the United States. And there was not one response back from a, a, a mayor, from a council person. It just the report just sits there, and people are like, yeah, it's. Insane. I don't. That's that's the thing. We got to figure that one out. Like, why why do people prefer to not look at it than to address it? Um, that's, yeah, that's I think an, a really important one for us to begin to think about. If there is a culture of, of wanting to hide from the numbers then that's a problem. But, you know, I do think I that just, there's a lot of positives. I do think that the state and the region has beautiful parks and outdoor areas that we don't talk about enough. I think that there are things that we could be, and we have great universities. We have great medical systems in St. Louis. And I I just think that that gets buried. You know, I've said this before, but like you think of Flint, Michigan, and you think of the water, you know, and you think of St. Louis and you think of Ferguson and the crime and racism. And I uh, I don't think that we're really actively working to change that. So, um, but I think your work is really cool. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but thank you for sharing it with us. And if we want to find out more, what's the best way to access like some of this data? So I would go online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, and on my Twitter page, I have a, a web link there to get access to an email. Okay. Um, and I'm happy to share the data we're making public. That'd be great. About every six months, we make a new site available to the public. And um, so our goal is simply, uh, it's it's demography for democracy. Love it. And uh, we, we encourage people to get involved in their local governments, to go to meetings. Um, to talk about the community that they want. And our job is simply to provide data to them. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was fascinating. Um, maybe we'll have you back again. That'd be great. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.